You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. You've now tuned in to the Drawing Board Podcast, a powerful, thought-provoking discussion where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. Let's see what exciting guests we have on our show today. Welcome, welcome, Drawing Board family, the Drawing Board Nation. This is Andre Ebron, the host and the founder of the Drawing Board Podcast, where we talk about family, relationships, ministry, community, and career. And like I share with you all every single Tuesday, that I make sure I have people who are competent, who are passionate, who are giving back to their communities, who are empowering a nation of new, transcending, and emerging leaders. And tonight is no different. Tonight we have on the show Miss Lisa Davis-Patterson. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm glad to have you on. And uh, let me let the people know a little bit about you. So Lisa Davis Patterson was born and raised by a single mother in Detroit, Michigan, better known as the D. Uh, she is a 2005 graduate of Cass Technical High School. OK, shout that out. Technician. All right. Yeah, technician. <laughs> so my wife is a nine six grad. So, you know, of course. The CT is in the building, right? right? <laughs> and after graduating high school, Ms. Davis-Patterson attended Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia, where she received her Bachelor's of Science degree in biology. Wow. I know that was a lot was. of work. It was. <laughs> and so you're an HBCU grad. Yes, I am. Representing for the number one HBCU. Okay. Hold it down. <laughs> hold it down. And it says, upon graduating from Spelman in 2009, Ms. Davis-Patterson came back to her hometown, which is the D, and began her career as an educator. She has been in numerous positions from an academic interventionist to a data and assessment coordinator, and most recently, a middle school science teacher. And now, wait a minute, it says you completed your education program and master's of science degree in educational leadership from Madonna. Now I won't tell you that, you know, I went to tri-state or trying. Mm. And when we played Madonna, I have to tell you, we used to give you all the business. Okay. <laughs> Which sport? Uh, basketball. Oh, okay. Cause actually your basketball team was pretty good. Yeah. That's what I, I'm trying to let you know. about. <laughs> no. <laughs> so no, but uh, definitely. So I'm familiar with Madonna university in Livonia. And it says, Ms. Davis-Patterson, or you have always been involved in your community, a volleyball coach, a volunteer, a mentor, and a tutor. And here's, oh, that's faith is kicking in. So you've been a member of Greater Grace Temple in Detroit since you were 11 years old. Yes. Oh, that means you got some good faith going on yes. inside, all right? <laughs> so let's talk about it. Um, there's so much more in your bio, but like, it sounds like you just from the beginning had a passion uh, to serve and do uh, what was in your power to do to empower other people. Tell me, like, where does that come from? Uh, it definitely comes from my mother. Um, being raised by her and just seeing the things that she's gone through and just seeing her persevere uh, after a divorce with my father and being a single mother and making me making ends meet pretty much. So just seeing her work hard and giving back to the community, that was where it's them from for me. Uh, before I even 
became a member at Greater Grace Temple. I was a member of Renaissance Baptist Church, which was pretty much where I was born and raised. My mom was also one of the founding um, board members for that church. So that was where I pretty much started my Christianity walk. (laughs) And then eventually on, we ended up uh, going over to Greater Grace. So just being in the church, and we all know the church gives back all the time. So I think just seeing that around me all the time and seeing us, excuse me, seeing us do different things, whether it was a clothes drive or a can drive, something like that. So just being around that, I think that kind of ignited something in me to show me that I always had that passion to give back to others. Okay. Now let me ask you, because education, I believe, is a calling, not just yes, a career, right? <laughs> and is. so, like, was that – take me back to uh, 13-year-old Lisa, okay? Like, take me to 13-year-old Lisa. Did 13-year-old Lisa always see herself teaching – or being a teacher, what what did thirteen no. year old Lisa? Like, where did she see <laughs> I, I herself not. being? So when I was so actually, I did grow up with in the DPS district. So I went to Flicks um, for the most of my elementary career from kindergarten to fifth grade. Uh, after that, because I grew up in Flicks, learning learning French, excuse me. So most of the schools, oh, vous français. We. Mm-hmm. <laughs> most of the middle schools during that time didn't have French. So my mom really wanted me to continue it. So she found a, a middle school, which was out in Farmington Hills. It was a private school that I went to for sixth and seventh grade. And I literally, I, I hate to say this, but I did not like the school. It was, I was very, it was very few that looked like me. So that was a struggle in of itself. And by the time it was time for me to go to eighth grade. Me and my mom, she kind of made a little, like a little contract with me. Said, "Hey, if you do what you need to do for sixth and seventh grade, I'll let you go to school with your friends." So eighth grade, that was you know the thirteen, pretty much. Right. I was going to David Ellis Academy, which was, um, which is affiliated with our church, um, which are which is Greater Grace. Right. So I was able to go to school with my friends that and you saw at church yes and I saw, oh yes, yeah okay yes. so the turn up was all the way <laughs> the turn on up was real so yes. we we would do little silly things we would get put onto the hallways and we would do you know little things to make the rest of the class um laugh and that was literally the first time and the last time that i ever got suspended Oh, wait yeah. a minute. Do we have a suspension <laughs> on the record? We Somebody do. pull up power school right now. Right, we do. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I pretty much had always had an issue. Not always, but I had an issue getting older around that 13 when you start feeling yourself a little bit. That's right. So you have that mouth on you. Yeah. Um, so I used to talk back. And one day my teacher was asking me to stand next to her outside because she wanted to talk to my mom. And I told her, I said, I don't want to stand next to you. I want to stand where I'm standing. And then at that point she was like, oh, no, we're going to the office. And then my mom came in you know she's wondering why is she in this office because this is not a child that goes to the office so she gave me a suspension because i was being insubordinate and yeah my mom took me home and she wore me out so So wait a minute you got the founding (laughs) board member from rbc renaissance baptist church now involved at greater grace and now she got to come up to the school that's affiliated with the church yes and hear about you getting smart with the teacher. Yes. yes. Now, now let me ask you a question. She now she redirected you, right? <laughs> yes, was, she did. Yeah. Was it was it soft verbal reprimand? No. 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 Not at not all. At all. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said it was the first and the last time that I ever got suspended. It was definitely that nice spanking. It wasn't the switch off the tree. She okay. Le- she, okay. She left that for my godmother. So you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was definitely you know that 
felt situation. So yeah, yeah. She t- got me. To, but, she got me together. Got you together though, she right? Got me together. Right, yeah. right. So and mm-hmm. you you've graduated from Spelman. You got a master's degree. You're involved in some other programs that we're going to talk about. So that redirection helped. Yep, it now, did. Here's a question for you, especially because you're an educator. You're a dean of climate and culture with Detroit Public Schools Community District. What would you say for um, teachers or administrators? For a child such as yourself, right, Mm -hmm. who had a lot of passion, who was very vocal, you know, and talked back, what would you say or what's the best way um, to handle, to develop uh, children who are outspoken like that? So I think, well, I, I shouldn't say I think. I know that with this day and age, the children are a lot different than how we grew up. Um, So when we were growing up, it could be you get a spanking and that redirected you. I think with th- with these children, a lot of them need to understand the reasoning behind something. So you have to usually talk with them and explain why they're receiving the consequence that they're receiving. Um, and I think we also have they also are looking for us to show them, OK, if this is not what I'm supposed to do, then what am I supposed to do? So I think they have that. But I think you also have there's some case that I like that works in most cases, but not all. Mm-hmm. You do have very few cases where I think. A spanking is necessary in order to redirect the behavior, yes. honestly. So, um, but I've, I've learned just through my position, some of the kids just don't have anyone at home to talk to. And sometimes that's all that they're doing. A lot of them are acting things out from what's happening at home. And usually when you sit down and you have, you build that relationship with them, then you're able to see, okay, we're getting somewhere. So now I can kind of help you because if you don't have the basic necessities, when you come to school, as far as having clothes, clean clothes at that, having uh, food to eat and how, you know, if you don't have those basic things, how can you come to school and then you're able to function and be able to do your work? And then especially if you don't feel like you have anyone that's at home to support you. And even if you do have someone to support you, a lot of times the parents or whoever is taking care of them are always out working. So if you don't have anyone at home to be able to put things in place because kids need structure. And if they don't have that structure, that's when I think they just kind of go all over the place because they're looking for some type of structure. Yeah, I firmly agree with you. And I think that what you were saying is so important and it was so loaded is that your redirection must be coupled with relationship, right? right. Exactly. Your your redirection, you must have an awareness of the child and what's going on with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it is that they're lacking some of the basic necessities, it's so much easier to redirect someone after you fulfill a need, right? right? So schools are now in a position where they are having to fulfill some of those basic necessities, uh, food, shelter, not so much shelter, but food and clothing, right. uh, running after school programs, you know, late into the evening so that you can provide that after school dinner, snack, meal, mm-hmm. or whatever, because some children may not get that when they go home. Uh, and then you said something that I thought was very important is that they have to have structure and order. Right. Like I think that is so important. And all of my Bible-believing saints, I heard y'all in my ear talking <laughs> about some, whatever you do, do it in decency <laughs> and in order. And in order. <laughs> I, I felt you, know, but absolutely. And Here's the here's the one thing that I would have, and I pose a question to the drawing board nation, those watching. Uh, could it be possible that you are expecting something from a child that they have not been taught? I believe that's true. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's that's why we have to build those relationships with them so that we can build that trust. And at that point, we can be able to now reteach it. And I, it's funny because I sent out an email to uh, the staff that I work with at um, my current school, which is Detroit Lions Academy. Wait, um, shout out Detroit Lions <laughs> Academy. Hey. Um, so I sent out an email about a week or two ago and because I was really going through all of our suspensions and our behavior referrals and looking at what date. Like, mm-hmm. what day of the week are they occurring on? Right. And the most of them were occurring on Mondays. And why? Why is it occurring on Mondays? Because they go home on Fridays back into an unstructured environment just to come back to Monday. So now we have to retrain their reprogram. thinking. Yep, reprogram the thinking mm-hmm. um, in order to get them back into that structured place. So I think that, you know, that's the main thing. And that's why with teachers, with administrators, um, anyone that comes into contact with a child, you have to build a relationship first. Because even for me coming from the classroom, if my kids wouldn't have listened to me if I didn't build those relationships with them, I kept it real with my students. I let them know um, some of the experiences I've had when I've gone on trips. I've shown them pictures because a lot of times they don't see that there's a world outside of the five mile or five block radius in which they live. Absolutely. Now, hold on. Unpack that because some <laughs> people may not know what that is. So uh, when you because that's edu- that's educator talk, mm-hmm. right, or uh, community leader talk or the five block radius. Break that down for me. So, for example, if I if I grew up on um, the west side of Detroit on Seven Mile and Outer Drive, okay, that's where I grew up. So, right around the, right down the street, I guess you could say from um, from Renaissance High School. So, my fly block radius would be like I have my side streets, Clarita um, okay. and Margarita, and then if you kind of walk around the block, then you have that whole street that's behind you. So, if I literally stay within those that block around me, then that's all I think that there is to life like I just come and I go or if I'm going to school for example if my school is down the street it could be five five blocks away if all I do is go to if I walk or take the bus to school and I come back home and I don't do anything else then I don't believe that there's any more to you know to empower me to do better and to go see better now once we start taking kids on trips to um i don't know cities that like a novi or just taking them out of the state to go to ohio for example mm-hmm. they see oh that wow there's a much bigger world than what i thought so exposure is is key for sure exposure is key um we were, i was just speaking with a young man and he was telling me that his uh i want to say his great aunt or he named two ladies in his family that they're well into their 60s and they had never left the neighborhood wow. in which they grew up. Wow. So that five block radius is a real thing. It's mm-hmm. the same influences. Uh, generally, the demographic is the same. The economic status is generally the same. And so literally, mm-hmm. you don't see anything else reflected back to you. Right. They would challenge you to think differently. So. Right. And one of my students, I was just talking to him the other day about this because he got kicked out of class and I had to sit down and have a real conversation with him. And I talked about there's so much more to life. I'm like, you're so young. You have so much more to do. And he literally was honest and said, for you, there's a lot more to do. And it broke my heart because I'm like, oh, my gosh, like you're only 13, 14 years old. You have so many things to do. I'm like, there's so much outside of Michigan. There's so much outside of the United States. Like there's countries for you to go visit. And that takes education. It takes money. And I said, not just 
any money, legal money as right. well, because we don't want you to be in one of those type of yeah, situations need you, yeah. right? at all. So, but just to hear that mindset, I know that there's a ton of other kids out there that think the same exact thing, and it's it's very disheartening. So, I think a lot of us who have gone through and come up through cities like Detroit, for example, it's uh, it's our job to pretty much educate our kids and talk about the other opportunities that are out there for them. Because if they don't know that there's other opportunities, they have nothing to look forward to. So what what would be, uh, and I'm just going to loft this out, what would be your recommendation to uh, a family that's currently working their way up and they find them, you know, themselves being upwardly mobile? Mm-hmm. So they might be coming out of the struggle or headed into like a middle class situation or even trying to break that barrier to transcend that set of demographics. Because I told somebody, I said, you don't know, uh, I was speaking at trying, I said, being middle class happens to be probably one of the most stressful things in the nation that somebody could be. I mean, because if you don't have something, then you know it's a default. This is what mm-hmm. you must do, right. right? But when you have enough to not qualify for help, mm-hmm. but you don't have enough to make all ends meet, right? that's a stressful situation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course we go into, I heard, okay, I keep hearing them. They, <laughs> listen, financial literacy and all of these other things, teaching people the power of money, circulating mm-hmm. your dollars. I get that. But what would be your recommendation to, and it's generally a mother, what would be your recommendation to her raising her children? And let's say she doesn't necessarily have that culture mindset, but she knows within herself that she wants her children to have better. What would you say? Um, so my mom, I can say from the things that she did, especially with her being a divorcee, she pretty my my I should say my father was more of the breadwinner at the time. So obviously, once they got a divorce, she kind of started had to start from bottom and kind of work her way back up to where she was prior to. Um, so with her, she made sure that she found every single free p- program that was available for me. Um, I know they still do. I believe they still do the magazine Metro Parent. Okay, they don't do. They? Yeah, Metro yeah. So Parent Metro Parent is always a good. Hold on, wait, you posed it to me like, oh, hold on, hold on, wait, well, you're the, wait, you're the wait, father. No, I don't have kids on, yet. Hold so. on, wait a minute. Hold on, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. She made a reference. You should be like, yeah, my mother, you know, and then, right? No, no, no go ahead. So I know Metro Parent is a good resource because Absolutely. they have a ton of free activities to always take kids to. Uh, my mom was a big avid, um, avid person as far as education. She was a stickler on education. She always told me my job until it was time for me to get a job. My job was to go to school and to get good grades. Yes. So she would take me to the libraries and that's where I would study. If um, And everybody knows libraries are free. They have programs that come through the libraries to be able to teach you about different subjects. They have tutoring that they have in inside of that. So just um, looking up different resources because there's so many free resources out there, especially um, even if you're struggling and you need clothes or shoes. There's so many different, um, a, a lot of organizations who, you know, have the means to be able to hand those things out based upon your current situation. So I think just research is where we have to start. Um, and that just a simple, hey, let me just Google real quick. Free resources. <laughs> right, free resources for children in the in metro the city. Detroit area. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I know that that was something that my mom made sure that I had, even though I didn't know it at the time that she was struggling because she never showed that side to me right. because she just wanted me to have the best, edu- best, you know, childhood growing up. But for her, she definitely made sure that I was exposed and that was her way of exposing me. It was to take me to the library or 
just taking me to the next city over <laughs> and going to that library, to be honest, um, just see, being able to ride down the street. And I also think it was different then, too, because we didn't have all the cell phones riding in the car. So when I'm in the car, I'm looking out the window. But these days, you know, kids are on their cell phones. So a lot of times they don't see where they're headed when they're in a car. And and it's crazy because you ask a lot of them, oh, where do you live or what what are your side streets and what's their answer? They don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't what, know. <laughs> what, what's your mother's phone number? Can I get my phone? Mm-hmm. What, what is your address? Uh, I live. You don't know. They what, don't know. What is your no? What are the what are the what is the physical number? Oh, I don't know, Mister E. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly. Yep. But um, even reading at home, reading, starting out the womb. To be honest, right. <laughs> I mean, they could be three years old, and you're showing them how to write their name. That goes a long way, especially once it's time for them to go to preschool and kindergarten. Um, and you can you you can really tell, especially when a student does come into school for the first time, you can tell when they've had a parent or a guardian or a family member actually working with them prior to attending school because they're a lot farther along than other children. So reading at home is key as well. What do you think about this? Uh, You know, in Michigan, kindergarten is not mandatory, right? Mm -hmm. So children are not required to go to kindergarten. Uh, Preschool is not mandatory. Uh, Some people go through Head Start. A lot of people don't. You know, are you a Head Start baby? Yep, I was okay, Head Start yeah. baby. So, yep. Yeah, so when you when they talk about, so my first job out of school, I was a family service worker for a Head Start program. So we were talking about tracking the success of students who were able to get that Head Start. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of awesome people, including yourself, uh, you know, came through Head Start and are doing amazing things. So I'm just saying like how vital it is to get introduced to that world of mm-hmm. academia, you know, early, those formative years, you yep. know, gross motor, fine motor skills, learning to articulate and enunciate and pronounce words mm-hmm. like flashcards, flashcards. <laughs> that helps a lot with yeah. math, a lot, because if if you don't have that repetition, it's, it's very hard to catch on later on in life with trying to learn how to do multiplication. Like I should as soon as a car goes up eight times five, you should know automatically it's 40 in in a few seconds. We yeah. shouldn't have to think or we shouldn't have to write it down. So just um, just going to the dollar store and getting flashcards like they're only a dollar. Like, that's it. That's true. <laughs> or, shoot, I'm, one thing that I hated, and listen, we had the means, but my mom used to make me create my own flashcards. Yep, those index cards. Oh, those index, index cards. cards. Man. <laughs> vocabulary listen, words, vocabulary. everything. So. Right, listen, write the word on one yep, side the and the definition <laughs> on the back. Oh, man. Yep. I'm going to test you in 15 minutes. You need to be ready. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then they come. parents come to you. Are you ready? Now, don't don't hand me these cards if you haven't. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. and it was that. And this is what I hear a lot of parents say. Uh, you know, I don't have the time. Right. Mm-hmm. And I guess I will say that you cannot not have the time. Right. Right. Because the what is the cost of that? Right. Right. And the difference between like building a life, you know, fighting through the struggle. And like, what does that really look like? You know, and I think that's a question mm-hmm. that no matter what kind of money you have or, you know, what status you are in life, that is the balance of parenting. Right. Uh, the amount of time needed to be invested, like face to face with your child, mm-hmm. as opposed to you going out trying to build what you feel right. is a better life. And I think, honestly, you make time for what you want to make time for. I think that's really what it, well, what it boils There you have it. Uh, <laughs> You Lisa <laughs> Davis Patterson, quote her, you make time for what? For what you want to make time for. Absolutely. Yep. Right. Put that on. Put somebody put that in the comments. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about now you are in a program, right? Yes. And this program, a cohort of AASA 
Urban Superintendents Academy sponsored through Howard U, right? So somebody said that Howard University is the real HU. All my Hampton people, let's argue that, right? <laughs> right. In Washington, D.C. And in your spare time, you love traveling, spending quality time with family and friends, serving as a historian for the Detroit chapter of the NAASC, and trying new adventurous things. All right. So now, have you ever taken that uh, the color test or you yes, know? The okay, p- so personality the test. personality <laughs> test, right? So yes. are you orange? Like, do um, you have some I, orange? I'm I'm both. So I'm orange and I'm a gold. Okay. Yep. I'm, I think, I'm yeah, more have, of a gold yeah. than an orange, but I'm both. Yeah, really. It, I guess it would depend on like the setting. Yeah, right? it does. Cause I and I don't know if that and I don't always get into the whole horoscope thing, but I am a Gemini, so I think maybe that's part of it too. Oh, like okay. I have my two oh, sides. Oh, <laughs> one oh, is the orange and one oh, is the gold. Oh so. my goodness! Oh Lord, we got a Gemini. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. In this. No, I'm Shout joking. out to all the Geminis. Yeah. Out there. <laughs> so uh, it, it's interesting, uh, like learning that balance, really mm-hmm. personal and professional, right. right? And like professionally, I've seen you do your thing, right? And I've seen like in the different group chats how analytical you are, how you're breaking it down, how you're structuring systems. These are things mm-hmm. that I haven't shared with you, but just sharing it with you now. And I can tell that you are like about tracking that success, right? Mm-hmm. Finding out what's successful and then duplicating those efforts. Because right. one thing that I can tell, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, is that wasting time for you is a huge pet peeve. Yes. Yes. I would say that. Unless I'm sleeping, then I don't consider that to be wasted time. Right. No. Hey, <laughs> but like some people would think that sleeping is wasted time, but I need to catch up on rest. So that's not oh, that's all we so how, many that's hour, how many hours a night are you getting? Um how the question is how many hours would I like to get? That's the question. Okay. How many hours would you like <laughs> to get? I would get? like to get probably like nine hours, but that is not oh, realistic because I love sleep. But right. um but ugh, on an average night. I've been doing a lot better, I will say, because I, I vowed this year, like, I would go to bed on time and, you know, get up early. So probably about seven hours, I would say, on the average. Oh, yeah, wow. six to seven yeah. hours. Yeah. So okay. it depends on how much work I have to do. I mean, because you are a dean of culture and climate, mm-hmm. and we know that job never stops, right? right. As you know. That job right. <laughs> never stops, right. right? And then you're in a cohort mm-hmm. for superintendents addressing urban America, right? Right. Talk, talk to me about that, like. Okay. So, so you have this cohort of is everybody an educator? Yes. Yeah, so someone okay. so everyone is pretty much an educator in some form, some fa- form of fashion. Right. Um some of them are already chief of staff. Um we do have like I think a couple of assistant superintendents or deputy su- superintendents. Okay. Um we have some like myself who are deans, we have principals, um and then there's also a few students, like actual doctoral students who are in the program as well. Okay. Um, but it's sponsored through the AASA, so that's the American Association of School Administrators. However, they're more formally known currently as the School Superintendents Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have two cohorts. One is sponsored through Howard, which is an in-person. So I fly out once a month to go to to fly out to D.C., and we have our uh, sessions there. <clears throat> and then we have – there's another cohort that's sponsored through USC, which is um, University of Southern California. Right. And that one is more online-based. Um, I'm not sure if you um, – Another technician um, is uh, my cousin. I'm sorry, my best friend's cousin, Andre Townsell, who's a assistant superintendent for Wayne Westland Schools. And he's actually a graduate of the cohort through Howard. And okay. he was someone who I really leaned on to kind of find out which cohort do I want to do? Because do I want to go to USC and then I can kind of save some money on the flights? Or do I want to just go to Howard and fly out once a, once a month? And he was definitely adamant on telling me, no, choose the Howard program. That one is in person. You really get to make those connections. 
connections and networking. They get to really learn who you are and see you face to face. So he was a you know a big part of me choosing to do it through the Howard, which I thought, which I believe is you know where I needed to be anyways. Um, but they we go through. Uh, we have homework assignments. We have an online base where we have to go through and we read a lot. There's a lot of articles. Some things are even above, you know, of course, my position. And it's really thinking like a superintendent and how to run an urban district. So it's definitely putting me on another level with my thinking, which I which I enjoy. We have great conversations. And I'm in the room with people who are serving in positions that ultimately I would like to get to. So hearing that wisdom from them, it, it, it helps a lot. That's good. And you said something that I thought was very profound in that moment that I would like for you to give more breath to is you said thinking like a superintendent. Mm-hmm. Right. And what is like I know what that meant to me when I heard it. But what did you mean when you said that? So for me. I, I believe, obviously, as a dean and within our positions, we think of the culture of the building and how it should look and how it should sound and how it should feel and how we want our behaviors to look in the building as well. But thinking as a superintendent is on a larger scale because you're thinking about how am I going to grow this district? How am I going to take the district to this percentage where they are as far as academics and behavior and growing it to a place where any parent or any child would want to come to in the country. Um, and it can be done because we we have, they have superintendents that come every single month and they share their experiences with us. They talk about how they grew their district. So hearing that feedback from from them, that really set puts me in a mindset to see, okay, these are some things that I can be able to implement, Lord willing, when I get to that place. And I could be able to put these things in place to grow our district because honestly, in urban areas, we need it the most. Absolutely. So here, let me play uh, let me put some things in juxtaposition, right? So when we talk about growing districts and we're talking about numbers and we're talking about uh, proficiency and growth and all of those, all these other things, and we're also talking about attendance and mm-hmm. all these different factors that go right. into growing a school, uh, what role do you believe that standardized testing – I know what role it, it plays now, right? Because right. when you talk about someone who's been successful, you're talking about being able to move the numbers, proficiency, and growth, which are indicators – what they would say are indicators mm-hmm. of student learning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, you can tell I already have a certain position, you know, on right. that. <laughs> but what do you think um, – are the major what what are the major driving forces from a superintendent lens? Or mm-hmm. I'm going to call you Superintendent Davis Patterson. Okay, <laughs> all, all right. right. I'm Superintendent <laughs> Doctor Davis Patterson. Go ahead, put that in the comments right there. <laughs> Superintendent Doctor Davis Patterson. Who knows? It might be. I don't know. It right. might be a different last name. When, oh, oh, wait a minute. No, but um, from a superintendent lens, from your perspective. Um, what are the most like vital components to shifting that growth and growth and proficiency as it relates to um, standardized testing? Well, first, I think we need to tackle the social emotional health piece. OK, because our kids are really going through a lot things that we growing up didn't have to go through, didn't have to experience. So when you can kind of tackle that piece and kind of zone in on putting them in the mindset and being ready to learn, then I think at that point you can be able to, they can sit in front of a test. Now, do I necessarily agree with standardized testing? In some areas it is needed because you want to see where the child currently is and where you're trying to get them to go. Um, But I also believe in the word equity. Okay. If you don't have equity, 
then what's the point? Because if I am going to school and I don't have the necessary resources that I need in order to be ready for this test, then why are you giving it to me? So in some districts, they're they're ready to take it because they have all the resources that they needed to in order to prepare them for that test. Like even in China, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but in China, they start with um, practicing those standardized tests when they're in elementary school. Okay. We don't start until about fifth grade, I want to say, or third grade, I should say, right, third grade. They start in kindergarten with their, so they're Mm. constantly, and then, of course, they go to school year-round, so that's a big factor of it as well. But I just heard I just heard some educators say some bad words when you start talking. <laughs> right, yeah. and I know, but I no, I, I, no it's okay. It, I did. I heard them. Don't don't put that in the comment. Keep that in your mind. Right? I mean, honestly, if they had yeah. some breaks in between, we might be good. But I, right. for me, I'm always coming from the heart and from the place of it's about the kids. So I have to put sometimes my emotions and my feelings up on the shelf for the good of the of the child. And if right. I'm serving that child and I'm doing them justice at the end of the day, I can go home and I can sleep. If I'm not doing that I'm uneasy and that's just for me personally and I just I want us to get to a place that all educators we all think like that we think about okay if we're in this in this business or I shouldn't say a business but if we're in this calling and we've been called to do the work then we have to do the work and that's where that's where I'm at with it so just starting with that social emotional piece but then also making sure that every single district and every single child has the resources they need in order to be successful then I have no problem with standardized tests but until that can happen then the standardized test shouldn't really technically be in place, or if they are in place, have it in place for those that are ready to take it. Right. And no, I'm, I'm glad you used the word business because education is big business. Yeah, it, it is. is big yeah. business. A lot of people have turned it into that, and, for sure. you know, of course, uh, for those of us who are, and I think for, and I'll just transparently share, I think for me that is where I run into challenges uh, in discussing uh where the educational system is going, uh, because it seems like the higher you go, the more impersonal, mm-hmm. because you're looking, you know, you're just looking at the data, you know, you're not getting the backstory or the narratives. You have all these other things that you must take into account uh, when making these decisions. And and sometimes when you're sitting in that higher place of leadership, the people you're the people who are subordinate to you may not understand the direction or the vision mm-hmm. until you get there, right? Right. Because when you're in the and we're in the grind and we're in the thick of it, uh, the midst of seeing that face that is coupled for you just as a data point, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that when you get people such as yourself who have worked classroom up, those numbers look and they mean different things. Right. But I have seen in certain situations where you'll take somebody, you'll plug somebody from corporate America because they know how to manipulate data. Right. And they put them in those certain positions and they're trying to drive, uh, you know, school systems like we're selling widgets. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it is the classic business example when you're talking mm-hmm. about widgets or it's just uh, some material part that has no other narrative besides just f- facilitating one function. So thinking about all of that. Knowing what you're doing at DPSCD, very proud of all of the work that you're doing. I actually love the fact that you kept the HBCU trend, you know, (laughs) from Spelman to Howard. um, (laughs) And getting creative, like all of the the stories that I'm reading from the articles across the nation, I have not read an article to date that a school has saw substantial gains without getting creative buy-in. That the entire staff, regardless to whether it was Saturdays or staying late, like mm-hmm. they literally dedicated their life 
to helping these young people improve. Right. So if we think we're going to get it that 830 to 430, it's not, it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's right? not happening. And uh, I take that very seriously mm-hmm. because I, here and here's a position where we have some of us that are doing that right now. You know, if some of us are coming early, staying late, working on the weekends, working hard, being diligent. Um, but there are some that saying that this system as an employee should serve me. No, because you're because you're we're in a business to serve others. And if you're if you don't want to serve or you aren't a servant leader at that, mm-hmm. then you need to go into another business. Honestly, right, right. <laughs> I mean, I hate to sound harsh, but, you know, that's where it is. If you're if you're dealing with the child and these are our future. So if you're not going to have a positive change on this child, then I don't believe that this is the place for you because they are going to be the next CEOs and the next doctors and next lawyers. And, you know, you're the, you're the first encounter of an education that they see. And a lot of times they, because of the teacher that they have, they can decide whether, which way am I going to go? Do I want to come to this school every day and see this teacher? Or am I dreading every day that I go because I don't want to see this teacher? So we have to think about that as educators and being in front of their faces um, and really getting like building, starting that, that trust and building that relationship. It goes, it goes back to that as well. But if you're not a relationship builder, it's going to, it's going to be hard to reach and teach a child. Here's the million-dollar question, okay? Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it's gargantuan. If you can answer this question, we're going to shut the podcast down right now. <laughs> we're going to package it, and we're going to go across the nation okay. selling this answer, okay? Okay. All right. How do we restore the value system or people actually valuing and seeing the relevance of education in 2019? How do we restore that value from a parent perspective? How do we bridge and build relevance uh, for children? How do we do that in in this day and age right now? How can we, because, you know, we always, people don't come to school Mm -hmm. because they don't see the value in it. Right. Children are applying themselves because they can't look at the content and see relevance, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's culturally relevant, whether it's culturally responsive, all of that other stuff. But seeing the relevance of how I can take this and do something with it. How do we restore the value system of seeing the importance of education among the nation? That's, that is a gargantuan question. <laughs> that is right? a million, a million dollar it question. It is. I, I hope you got that. Listen. It probably would take us a few days to probably get through everything. <laughs> right. Um, but if I had to kind of break it down, I would say looking at all the things that young people are interested in to, to, in today's world, okay. bringing those, each of those components into the school system, mm. I think would, would help children to see the value in it. Um, I know growing up, music was one of those things that started, it wasn't always big, but it started to get big as they saw singers and rappers and doing all these different things or seeing them, you know, kind of live that lifestyle that they want to live. So bringing something like that into a school building that allows them that education piece. Something like this, a podcast, and you wanting to be an interviewer, having this type of roundtable inside of a school. Um, I know they also have YouTubers. I know that's like the new thing for kids to do. Right. And having a class that teaches you how to be a YouTuber. I mean, just just thinking of different ways to be able to attract, to get their attention. Because not every child wants to be a doctor. Not every child wants to be a lawyer, teacher, all the things that we always grow up and say we want to be. Right. Um, but just really looking at what they're interested in in today's world and bringing those things in. And I also think we need to bring back 
shop class and all the um i know the home like ec, yeah right? home yeah, quality yep. whatever they call it now but <laughs> yep. home economics because honestly you know obviously we would love for everyone to go to college but realistically everyone is not made for a for a four-year college some people right. right four-year institution um some people would do better at a technological type of school where they're learning all about technology and everything surrounded around surrounded around that or just learning how to work with their hands and i i know back in my mom's time when she was going through high school they had those type of classes so they had the shop class they taught you how to be a construction builder and all of that so just bringing those classes back in to the school buildings i think that would really help and then that can we can actually tap into what each child is interested in because they struggle with just the basic math science Social studies, English. <laughs> I mean, obviously we know we are, why we need to learn English, but as far as all the rest of them, if they don't want to be a biologist or a doctor, they ask the question, why do I need science? So, Right. I agree. And I'll be honest, for the last... My children are now 13 and 12. That's why you were trying to say I knew about Metro Parent. Okay, <laughs> right. I, I, I got you like, yeah, you know, my mom, she did it. Metro Parent still exists, right? Right. <laughs> Hold on, wait a minute. Right, no, but Metro Parent still exists. Detroit Parent Network, they still are out there doing great work. So tons of resources. But I'll, this is just, this is Ebron 101. Write me if you want to. We can dialogue. I believe over the last 10 to 15 years that our children have gone through so many different pilots of somebody coming in for from, this program. <laughs> from, yeah, and from Iowa or from mm-hmm. Wisconsin, you know, talking about urban America, right? right. And you're piloting these programs and, and you swear up and down. It's about higher order thinking, critical thinking, teaching our children to be able to apply knowledge across all subject matters. So now first it's integrated learning, then it's blended learning, mm-hmm. then it's Singapore math. And then, and I'm not, listen, I'm not downing any of these programs. Uh, they work for who they work for. Right. Um, but I will say is that I feel like in the educational realm, there's been a lot of people running around like a chicken with their head cut mm-hmm. off because we are piloting new programs every single year. Mm-hmm. And you and you really need consistency. And they say that a program or statistics, I should say, they show that a program does not get going until about that third year. And then you really see it going fluently around that fifth year. Term. Right. But if we don't ever get to the third year and we're rolling something new in after year one, then it's like you can't see if it really works or not. Um, and, I, and honestly, I would love for the United States overall to just have a universal system. If I, if I, you know, when I get married and have kids, if we move. Wait a minute. Prophesy. Don't, don't. Speak it out. <laughs> All right, dude. You have I'm a date. Has a, no, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm just using that as an example. But I'm just saying if, you know, my if I build my family up in Michigan, I'm just throwing it out there. Not saying that I will. But if I'm if they're growing up through the school system in Michigan and we need to move to Atlanta in Georgia, it should be the same pace. They my my kids shouldn't go to a school in Georgia and they're ahead of the class or even worse they're behind the class. Right. So I think every single state that you go to it should it should look the same it should talk the same even job wise. If I have a job if I'm a principal in Detroit I should be able to move to D.C. and be a principal there and it should still be ran you know ultimately up under the same education. I think we have too many things going on. Texas is doing their thing. Ohio's doing their thing. California's doing their thing. It's too much going on like you said even with the you know programs coming in. 
and I'm and I'm all for someone's program that actually works coming into the school system. I'm all for that. But just having a consistency among the United States, I think, would also help a lot as well. Um, so and that comes from, you know, that comes from the government. So, we, yeah, that's a bigger, it, bigger piece to, to tackle. Bigger scheme. So two things I was thinking when you were saying that one, I was thinking uh, the rebel militant piece of me was saying, oh, that's too much centralized control. I don't need, you know, this one world, you know, mm-hmm. one one nation system. That's I, I like the thought of it, the implementation of it. I would love to see how that will roll out. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also looking at like, uh, what is the litmus test for innovation as it relates to education? Right. So if I said I'm coming in to I have a new design for a new vehicle or whatever, like for years, they're doing to drive that through all type of beta testing. You know, they're going to make sure all my data is, you know, showing up right. They want to make sure that before they change or modify the part on that particular car, which would put a lot of people at risk. They want to have all of this back research to say mm-hmm. this. Right. Right. But when it comes to programs or innovative that's putting our children's lives at risk, when you bring it to the educational system, like what? What yeah. is going on here? <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't do enough research. It's just yeah. like if somebody sits down with you, they say, "Oh, this works," and we have this research and that research. But it's like, do you really have that much research? You know, have you really done it? Have um, you, yeah, yeah. So I think we 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 hear it because we're all looking for something good that's going to work for our kids, which I understand, but. It's not you can't just say yes to everything, honestly. And some things like you have to go go in that prayer closet and pray about it, honestly. Like before I bring this program in here, Lord, is is that what you want me to do? You know? Yes. So is this gonna benefit my kids at the end of the day? And and when I say like a universal as far as a you know, uh, I'm just talking about as far as our subject area. So with math, I know we're using Eureka math. Eureka math is that new thing where it's supposed to teach the kids how to think and mm. how to work through pro- problems, you know. So if if Eureka math is where it is, then Eureka math should be in every single state. It should yes. be. That's, and that's what I mean. Like just having the same program in every single state that you go to because I couldn't imagine being a child and having to move to another state for whatever reason and then I have to learn a whole new Different whole program, new, a whole new system. So yes. that I think that could be very aggravating. So that's why I say, you know, oh, let me raise aspect. let me raise my hand and testify. Yes. <laughs> so Singapore math, when uh, my children were part of a certain school system, and they were doing the Singapore math, and I was like, listen, <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Now I learned it this way, right? right? You, now you're gonna do this with your children. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna say you you sitting over here with this old hat and this no. But here we go. Listen, I'm pretty good with math. So yeah. I don't think that'll happen to me. No, I'm, listen, I'm, <laughs> I'm telling joking, you, I'm hey, dig it. Watch this. Listen, and we're sitting down. And I was like, okay, let me look at the example. All right, okay, I get what they're trying to do here, and I've said, let me show you an easier way mm-hmm. to reach the same answer. And you know, my kids are getting marked down. They because they took the easier way. <laughs> they they didn't do it. They didn't do the method right, correctly, right? right? They, took, they took the shortcut. They still arrived at the correct answer, but right. they got the they took the shortcut. But here's yeah. here's here's my thing is don't and I so of course because that was the way that I knew how to do mm-hmm. it. So I had an argument to sustain mm-hmm. is don't neglect the methods that have worked. Right. 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 Just because we are innovating right. this way. Now, this still works. Mm-hmm. We still come and we have the same conclusion and the same answer just because the methods are different. Right. 
doesn't make it wrong. Right, exactly. Because every child learns differently, um, as we know, especially through differentiation. Right. And, um, you know, everyone's at a different pace and all of that. So even with multiplication, they have a new thing with the lattice method. If yes. the lattice method works for you, then do the lattice method. As long as you get the right answer, I'm happy. You know, so some people can do that one. Someone could do the standard old way where it's like, all right, put down that zero on that line and then, you know, keep on going. Yeah. <laughs> each line you have to multiply or each number, I should say, you have to multiply. So it's like I, I agree with that. Just whatever works for that child, let them go ahead and do that. So. So now let's talk. I want to get into your business now. Let's talk personally. All right. <laughs> yes. Let's go ahead and dive. Let's take a deep dive in here. So all right. you were saying uh, that you love to travel, right? I do. So if you had to pick your three favorite places to travel right now, where would you go? That I have gone to or that, that I have, want to that go? That you have That gone. I have. Yeah. Who? My three favorite places. I would say Paris for sure. Okay. London. And oh, como tal le vous? Oui. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what would be the third choice? I guess I would say Greece because it was very pretty. Okay, it was. Yeah. So, and I have some other places in Greece that I would like to go to as well that I didn't get didn't get a chance to go to when I was there. But yeah, it's very pretty. Okay. So, so it's the aesthetics that drive you, or what? Like, what is it about travel that you love? Um, I love the culture. I love being able to see how other people live, how they pretty much just how they, you know, go about everyday. Um, go. I guess I should say go around like on their everyday lives and just how they how their system is set up. I should say that. Um, also, fashion, because I love to shop. So okay. there are some different fashions in, in Europe that are different than in America. Now, I know a lot of times they're integrating certain things, but there's I, honestly there's things in other places that in other countries where you don't you don't see it in the United States, unfortunately. Um, so I love that about it, too. Um, also, just having those memories. And for me, I am at the most peace when it's sun and water. If you get me by sun and water, that's I like I just feel like that's my heaven in a sense. That's I know that sounds weird, but yeah, I just I like I'm at the most peace when I'm on on water and I'm in the sun. So I guess I'm a summer because I'm a summer baby in a sense. So that okay. too, I think probably pays a part of it. But yeah, sun and water, wherever that is, I'm good. <laughs> okay. No, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I mean, of course, you know, now I'm going to do, we're going to turn out, we're going to be one of the deep Christians right now, see, because <laughs> the sun represents the sun. That's right. Right. <laughs> and the water represents the spirit of God, mm-hmm. you know, and when the sun shines upon the water, All that's right, the faster. sun and the spirit. <laughs> No, but no, <laughs> no, but I get it. Yeah. Um, being among like that vast body of water, mm-hmm. uh, seeing the possibilities, understanding that there mm-hmm. is a spiritual connection to right. God and His creation, right. and that brings a certain right. peace. Because yeah. it's something that you can't explain. That's right. Like how how can I look out, but I don't see anything but water? Nothing like, but water. How you know how far does it go? How did it get here? You know what I mean? It's just things that you just can't explain, and that lets you know, or lets for me that lets me know like there is a God because how how else could this have you know been done? You know, so there's there's a lot of beautiful places to see, and I I definitely plan on traveling a lot more. <laughs> yeah, preach to him, preach to him, Davis <laughs> Patterson. You said when you look out and all you see is water, mm-hmm. and to no end. Mm-hmm. Said that even if you can't see the rest of what God has planned mm-hmm. for you. It's all going to work together for your good. And even if you sit back and just listen and you just listen to how the water moves and the waves, it's just so peaceful. Right. Go ahead and tell them about it. (laughs) 
I just did. No, I know, no, that was good. I, yeah. And I would love I would take us to one of those moments where like paint the picture for us now. You are uh I saw one you were like on a yacht or on a boat or something. Yeah. So yeah. um I so they have a I guess this thing called Yacht Week and they have a lot of different destinations that you go to and you you literally live on the yacht for an entire week. You have your um your hostess, which is the person who cooks your meals. You also have your skipper who's the person who takes you around, obviously. And you're literally on this I don't know what do you call it, but on this excursion for a whole week with people from literally not just around the country, but around the world. Okay. So I've met a ton of people from other countries, and I don't think that there's anything really like it to be able to experience. Like, obviously, you could just go to another country and then you could meet other people and all of that. But to actually live with people like on my yacht, I had someone that was from Australia. And someone who's from Spain. How often do you live in a central area with someone from other countries that you've possibly never visited before? And you can be able to see how they live and talk to them about their culture and all of that. So really having that experience was was great. And we there was something that they had something planned for us each day. And we would go to a different island in or not island, excuse me, a different city in Greece each time that we were there. So I got a chance to be in Athens. I got mm. a place to be in um it was like Hydra. That was another city. So yes. just seeing the different cities, that was that was really nice. Okay. All right. Well, Great experience. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, some people are wondering. They said, when are you planning the next one? They want to go to this Yacht Week with you. <laughs> All right. And it's I funny. A- I was actually talking to my friend about that yesterday, last night, actually, about um, the next Yacht Week. So I know he was he's going to Montenegro, which is a, one of the destinations. So yes. um, I'm definitely thinking about possibly doing that. So we'll see. But that I won't. That probably won't be my next trip because that's not till August. And I definitely have right now because I I don't want to tell my age. But it probably doesn't matter. I don't really care. But I'll be right. I know I am. Yes, I I don't look my age. I'll put it that way. But next year I'll be thirty three. Right. And we we know, you know, as Christians, that thirty three they say was the year that Jesus died. That's right. So for me, I want to go back to that place where he walked. So. When I turn 33, I want to go to Jerusalem and Bethlehem and all of that. Like, that's that's where you I want to go. You want to walk where he walked. I do. I do. Yeah, go I to the Holy feel that, yeah, yeah, just feel that intimate connection with him because I think it's my Jesus year, so why not spend it with him? Oh, listen, she shouted out. So everybody turning 33 <laughs> is going to be on Instagram and <laughs> so Facebook tomorrow. This is talking about... This is my Jesus year, right? Don't steal my hashtag. Don't steal no. that hashtag. This <laughs> no, is I'm my. Sure Je- it already exists somewhere. I'm sure. No, it's probably it probably doesn't exist. This is my Jesus year. <laughs> it's my Jesus. Yeah, thirty three. Yep. That's yep. good. So he died. He was buried and resurrected. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about major transformation. Like I, I see already. You know, big things on the horizon for you. You know. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and I mean, you Lord but will, these, I yeah, but so, yeah, so. these are these are the things that you already have planned in your heart, though, mm-hmm. right? Right. Yeah, you already have it. Like you know. And you just say, okay, Lord, as you lead and guide and direct me, we'll get to these places, right? But let's go back to this yacht week, though, before we venture down (laughs) there. Yeah, so I can hear somebody saying, is it a turnaround yacht trip? No, but I'm joking. joking. I'm joking. But uh, with all of those things said, uh, I just would like, I, I don't know if your mom is watching. I think she is watching. But I just want this to be like a true testament that when you sacrifice for the assignment that God has given you as a parent, uh, you end up with a daughter like Lisa Davis Patterson, uh, who has impacted, you know, the city of Detroit, uh, this nation and the world. So don't take for granted your current sacrifice 
And I know it's challenging. You have to put some of the things you want to do to the side and see all of these pages about, you know, mama got to have a life too and all. Okay, listen, you have a huge assignment to raise somebody. What if mom had not sacrificed? Think about all of the children that have sat under her tutelage, that have sat in her classrooms, that have been inspired and motivated and, you know, have changed their life because she has been before them. This what's your mother's name? Sheila. Sheila Davis Wiley. <laughs> okay, yeah, I can't call her Sheila. I, I got to call him. Wiley. Okay, Mrs. Wiley, all right? <laughs> because Mrs. Wiley made a commitment to the Lord to go ahead and do what was necessary to raise you uh, and to, you know, allow you to venture and allow you to build your life and bump she your head. She didn't venture too much. Nah, you know nah, <laughs> nah, I'm just... Yeah, I know she told you got to be home. No, I'm the just, street lights right, come on. The street lights. But set, had structure, order, right. no systems uh, that led you to where you are now. Right. Uh, I just want to say thank you to her and thank you to all mm -hmm. of the moms, you know, that are out there sacrificing and doing well. So shout out to you, Miss Lisa Davis Patterson. And uh, I don't know about this Montenegro trip. We got to check this brother out. <laughs> Who is this brother that's going to Montenegro? <laughs> Hold on. We got. What is next, his next question? No, Monte, <laughs> talking about let's go to Mont Mama. He trying to get her to Montenegro. He gonna try to no. Anyway, we tabled that. With five minutes left, um, please let them know how they can get in touch with you. Um, so you can email me. My email address is ldavpa at aol dot com. Um, I'm also on. Facebook, same thing, first and last name, Lisa Davis Patterson. And Instagram is underscore Lisa Marie 87. I do have a Twitter account, but I'm not really active on Twitter. So we'll just leave it at the email. If you need to email me about any questions or concerns that you may have, um, or just follow me on those social media outlets. And you also have a tutoring company. You tutor, right? So I do tutor at Adler, Adler Elementary in Southfield. Um, my One of my desires is to have a tutoring company that can help our urban students. Oh, it's so. already done. It's, just, it's, just, it's already <laughs> done. It's a matter. That's one of the goals on the shelf over yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's coming to pass. Still Jesus year, right? Yes, Let's Jesus go. Year. 2020. Let's do it. All right. So you can catch her in Montenegro next year, <laughs> August, right? You can catch her on the yacht trips. Uh, you can catch her in the nation. Uh, you can catch her doing great work for DPS CD. Next year, you'll catch her with her own tutoring program to help children in urban areas begin to leverage their brilliance and go ahead and let them know, as your homegirl would say, uh, that they are a genius, right? Yes. And yes. so, shout out uh, to yeah, shout out to <laughs> Candice. Uh, but I definitely want to let you all know, as I always share at, at the conclusion of our interviews, that your future is not behind you and it is not before you. It is within you and it's just a matter of time. Again, Lisa, thank you for being my guest. Thank you for having and, me. And uh, let's get back to it tomorrow. They gave us that phone call. They Ooh, said offices will be open tomorrow. <laughs> right. So listen, God bless you all. Look forward to seeing you all next week.